Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from the Hawks Cay Island Resort in Duck Key, Florida. If you don't know where that is, we're right in the middle, literally in the middle of the Florida Keys. We're, in, we're essentially in the center, um, but I'm at mile marker 61. For those people who know the Florida Keys, you know you count everything by the mile marker, and that's where we are. And uh, very cool place, right over the, the overseas highway. It may take you some time to get down here because for those of you who know the Keys, you know... It's basically a two-lane road all the way down, so take your time. And, of course, there are lots of great places to stop along the way. Whether you want like to or not, you're going to be stopping. But you'll have fun once you get here. And if you've got kids, they've got a great kids program here. And it's not just a little room where they throw in crayons and an easel. They've got a great outdoor activities program. They've got a program for kids with dolphins that is not only interactive but, but uh, humane. And uh, they do a great job. So... We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but we've got so many things to talk about today, especially in the news. Uh, We've got United Airlines cramming more seats in their 777s. We've got, it's now cheaper. This is the most bizarre thing. Uh, It's now cheaper to go from Omaha to Oman than it is to take the Washington to New York shuttle. I'm not exaggerating. What we're seeing is a slew of disruptor airlines that are coming into the market that are saying, you know what? Let's take a look at some cities that are really underutilized uh, in terms of their airports. And that means that there are people who live there that are being disenfranchised, that they can't get out of town. To go from, let's say, uh, New York to Sacramento is much more of an ordeal than New York to Doha, 
That shouldn't be the case, but it is. So what are you seeing? Airlines like Wow, a new airline from Iceland that is offering fares from Los Angeles to Reykjavik in Iceland for $99. And if you want to go into Europe from there, it's another like 190 bucks. I mean, you can't beat it. You're seeing airlines. How about, I mentioned New York to Doha. How about this? New York to Bangkok on Qatar Airways. Yes, you'll stop in Doha. How about 880 bucks round trip? Emirates just had a deal from New York to Milan, round trip for about 600 bucks. And then there's Norwegian. They're flying a lot of cities in the United States right now. And they're, they're, flying, they're flying to Florida. They're flying to Los Angeles. Uh, and they're really undercutting with brand new Boeing 787 Dreamliners. How can you beat that? Now, the interesting city of all of the cities in the United States where things are happening more than ever, it's Boston. Everybody's choosing to make their gateway city Boston. Include, and, and it's funny because uh, in about a, you know, less than a month, Qatar adds Boston as one of their cities. Not to mention all these other airlines I just mentioned. So check it out. And you may not find it on the traditional websites. You know, Norwegian Air doesn't doesn't show up on Expedia or Travelocity or, 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 or Orbit. They show up on their own. Um, how about this? Los Angeles to Dublin in Ireland. How about Ethiopian Airlines flies that route? What? Well, actually, they fly... L.A. with a stop in Dublin on the way to Addis Ababa, but they're allowed to take traffic locally between L.A. and, and Dublin. The fare is $371 round trip. It's absurd on brand new Boeing Dreamliner. So this is the time to be creative, to take your bucket list and throw it out and pick some places you might otherwise never even thought of going because now you can actually get there from here. Now, how about this one? They just added the world's longest flight from Dubai to Auckland, 17 hours and 15 minutes, nonstop. And if you look at the globe, you'll realize why all the Gulf carriers are doing such great stuff because they are perfectly situated on the map given state-of-the-art aircraft to be able to fly anywhere in the world nonstop from there. So if you want to go, let's say, from New York to Mumbai, you'd fly Emirates through Dubai or you know, or uh, Qatar Airways through Doha, or Etihad through Abu Dhabi. And then the biggest sleeper of them all, and I have to tell you, this is the surprise of all surprises, and nobody ever gets it, okay? I'm not making this up. Nobody ever gets this. So I'll ask the question. Name the airline that flies to more destinations in the world than any other airline. Some people pick British Airways. No. It's Turkish Airways. Turkish Airlines, more destinations around the world than any other airline in the world. They've got new airplanes. They've got a, you should see their terminal in their current airport in Istanbul, which they're outgrowing, by the way. They're building another one. Their, their business class lounge is the largest in the world. It's got everything from masseuses to every kind of food. They've got gaming. They've got a movie theater in there. They've got, uh, uh, they've got pools. It's unbelievable. And you'd never believe in a million years that it would be Turkish. Well, guess what? It is. And now, get out your maps, because if you want to fly anywhere, just like the examples I gave you of the Gulf Airlines, all you got to do is see where Turkish Airlines flies, because chances are they fly there. I had to go to Azerbaijan on a story. Guess what? I went through Istanbul on Turkish Airlines. Perfect flight. So all these things are possible right now at a fraction of the cost. I had to get to, Nor- to, to Norway, to Bergen, Norway, 
Now, if you go on the traditional websites, I mean any of them, up come the usual suspects, British Air, Air France, SAS, all having stops in their hometowns of either London or Paris or Copenhagen um, or, 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 you know, or, or Amsterdam on KLM. And the cheapest airfare coach was $1,800 and you had to stop. So on a lark, I went on the Norwegian website. Remember, I needed to go from New York to Bergen, Norway. I go on the Norwegian website, and they have a flight that goes nonstop from JFK to Bergen on a brand new Dreamliner. You know what the fare was in coach? $353. You know what it was in business class? $800. Guess what class I flew? Are you kidding? For $1,000 less than what the other airlines wanted to charge me for a coach flight with stops, I got to be in style on a brand new plane nonstop from New York to Bergen. You cannot beat that. And so it's time to be creative. It's time to turn the airline schedules on their head to be somewhat counterintuitive and contrarian and do different routings because that's where the fun happens. The fun happens when you can take these disruptor airlines, look at their route schedule, and realize how for once it actually benefits you. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, when I think about resort dining uh, in Florida, especially down here in the Keys, I don't have to go that far back to, to have bad memories of chicken fingers. Um, the, the dining down here was either chicken fingers or mahi-mahi, followed by, would you like some more mahi-mahi? Hey, guess what is on the menu tonight? Mahi-mahi. Uh, well, times have changed. And uh, people have a much more sophisticated palate. They have bigger demands. And the sourcing is different. Uh, and it's not just seafood. Joining me now, the... Uh, the chef right here, William Ryan, who you came here from St. Lucia. Yes, sir. Completely different experience, sir. Yes. What was the difference? Um, well, it's, there's not a lot of differences. I think that's one of the reasons they brought me here. I worked in uh, St. Lucia for over three years, and before that I was in the Virgin Islands. So the climate here, the water, things that grow here are very similar to what they are in the Caribbean. But when you were in St. Lucia, you were really sustainable. In that way. You were growing, growing your own vegetables. You Right? Absolutely, yeah. All the fish came right from the sea. The fishermen would call me from downstairs. All the locals would get down there with their giant nets and uh, and pull up their own little fish, and I'd go down there and, and cook them for our guests, yes. Are you still getting locally sourced stuff here? Yes, sir. What, uh, are you, what are you getting here? Right now we're getting yellowtail snapper. We are getting some mahi. I apologize for that. <laughs> My God, mahi is here. Uh, yeah. The cobias right now is, is, is in season, and it's around. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fish around here. I know. And by the way, I, I'm one of those guys who likes to go fishing and eat the fish I catch. So you're not going to see me tarpon fishing. I hate those fish. Oh, they're an awesome catch. You know, it's, it's a catch of a lifetime if you ever, if you ever caught a uh, Did you hear what he just said? Tarpon. If you ever caught one. Yeah. They take your line, they wrap it around a pole, they break your line, <laughs> and you're sitting there going, why did I even come out here today? They, they exist to just mess with you. If you catch a tarpon, it will change your life. Have you caught a tarpon? I haven't yet, but I've heard the stories. See, you see, <laughs> my point exactly. If you change a tarpon, it'll change. If you catch a tarpon, it'll change your life. You can't eat them. No, you can't even take them out of the water. It's illegal. Correct. Right. Well, that's, so, so they're they're protected. Yes. They can just be bad to you. 
<laughs> all right. So what else? Are you, what else are you growing here? So we're, we're all about trying to uh, sustainability. We're all about farm to table. Um, when I first started here, a lot of our produce was coming from California and around. I try and get all of our stuff locally within 150 miles. A lot of the berries, the microgreens, the salads, a lot of the fish is local, uh, grouper cheeks. Uh, we have a, we built a relationship with a local lobster fisherman, so we're getting all our local lobster. How's the market now? Because the lobster market was depressed for a long time. The prices has dropped substantially. Now what are they? Uh, lobster prices are pretty good. China actually buys a lot of lobsters here, but we had, like I said, we do have a relationship with some local people that supply us with, with Basically lobster. Basically what you're saying is you know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. You know a guy. <laughs> you know a lobster guy. Stone crabs, too. I have my own stone crab traps out there. and I mean, it's just awesome to go out there and, and pull up a trap, and you have it's full of stone crabs. Really? Yes. And what people don't realize about stone crabs until you actually hear the story is they regenerate. Yes. You take off one claw, you put them back, and in a couple of years, they got the claws back again, yeah. So talk about sustainable. Absolutely. If you do it the right way. How do you protect your traps? Yeah, that's a good question. My traps are still there. They've been out there for almost a year. Um, they're, in a, they're by a close island here, and, and yeah, nobody takes them. So, And you're allowed to have five. You're allowed to have five. You have binoculars and a shotgun, don't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the what's the one thing that you because you've been here how long now? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay, so when you came in, you had some ideas about what you wanted to put on the menu, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What's the one thing you put on your menu that you thought, wow, this is going to be great, and it tanked? And what's the one thing you said, no one's going to order this, and you can't keep it in stock because everybody wants it? Well, a couple things. One thing is there's and don't say chicken fingers. No, no. Okay. There's uh there's not a lot of scallops around here. So and I love scallops. I've won Me too. Me too. I've won competitions with scallops. I like the giant diver scallops that. Uh, but you got to marinate them. You got to marinate them the right way, right? You got to you got to sear them nice and crispy on the outside, not cooked all the way through. Because then they get too tough. Yes. So, all right, so scallops. So I put those in the menu, thinking they'd be a great seller. I learned that in the Keys, they're not going to buy salmon. They're not going to buy stuff that's not from here. So you have to buy. You have to put stuff on the menu like cobia. Like grouper, grouper cheeks is a is a big seller. That's an item that we put on that sells like hot bread. Um, so yeah, grouper cheeks is a good seller. Scallops not not so well. Scallops still on the menu? Yes, they are. Because you like doing them. Yes, I love scallops. How do you do them? Uh, we sear them. We sear them with a wild mushroom ragu and then some crisp potato gnocchi. That sounds great. And nobody orders it. Well, no, I wouldn't say nobody. It's not one of our big sellers though. They like uh, fresh local. Uh, fish and, and produce. Yes. Well, after enough That's... blindfolded beer runs, I mean, somebody's going to order it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very nice. What's the, the toughest item you have to source? Um, the toughest item I have to... Um, octopus. I'm getting octopus now, not locally. Octopus I'm getting, it comes from Spain. It's on our fine dining menu. Um, uh, Alma. Um, that would probably be the... Which is what? Alma's a, a Latin cuisine. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go I always like to ask the locals every time I go somewhere. And my next guest, I think I can call him a local, even though he's from Toledo. It's <laughs> okay. How long have you been down here? 13 years. Okay, you're a local. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Jason Kohler, who's the editor and publisher of the Keys Weekly, 
people don't really understand the keys, do they? No, and I don't think I even understand the keys after being here 13 years. I mean, people, they look at the map, they sort of think of it as this like little string bean, a little strand, and yet it goes for a long time. One way in, one way out, 126 miles, yep. Right, one way in, one way out, and, and you're not kidding. You, you know when you're coming down and you see a sign on the street that says hurricane evacuation route, you know that's the one way out. Exactly, and how would you like to be at the very end of this road when a hurricane's coming? I mean, you, look, you know well, what it's either, like. You know what, that's either very, very good or very, very bad <laughs> because... It all depends on the strength of the storm. If it's if it's not a strong storm, you're you're styling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, think about the people that were here in 1992 during Hurricane Andrew. You know, a lot of people evacuated to the mainland, and that's what the, got hit. Yeah, the smart people went to Key West and partied on Wall Street. <laughs> when in doubt, drink. You <laughs> yeah, see, exactly. Here we go again. Yeah. It's all about the drinking. But what what brought you down here? Uh, actually, my wife was recruited to run a restaurant down here, and you know, like you, Peter, uh, I'm a writer, and I was going to move down here and write the great American novel, but. Uh, that didn't exactly work out as planned. But you, you're writing. Yeah, I'm writing. And you're having fun. Writing, having fun. Uh, what's, the one, what's the one thing that people do not understand about the Keys? Um, probably that you are allowed to drink wherever you want. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> they really? drink at church here. They don't. No, well, sometimes. It's the Catholic churches, but yeah. Oh, boy. Confessional can be a bass. Oh, boy, that's bad. That's well, bad. No, okay, all right. The real reason, the real thing that people don't understand about the Keys People generally care about each other here. I mean, I like. I mean, you're well traveled, obviously, Peter. You're the foremost authority in the world on travel. But um, coming to the Keys, it's a safe place to come. You're not going to get ripped off. People don't treat you like a number. People actually care that you, you know they take good care of you. So, and I think that goes a long way. Sure, it's a community. Yeah, exactly. But it's not one community. It's lots of communities. Yep, exactly. How, ma- each, how many? And each has their own little distinct characteristics and I mean, cliques like and for systems. Example, we're here in, in Duck Key, but yep. you live in Marathon. Correct. Right? That's bigger. Yeah, that's bigger. That's a whopping 8,000 people in Marathon, correct? <laughs> <laughs> so everybody does know everybody. Yeah, but that, that's quite a bit different from Key West and quite a bit different from the Upper Keys, too. So You know, when I look at, at, at the Keys, I'm not looking necessarily at beaches. I'm looking at sandbars. Right, yeah. There aren't a lot of beaches here. I mean, this is coral. I mean, these keys are all just rock. You know, the grass does not grow down here. You know, I had a beautiful grass yard when I I bought my house, but now it's just a sandy mess. And the thing is, if you don't know what you're doing, you will run aground. Correct. Oh, yeah. No question about it. Very quickly. Happens all the time. Right? Yep. And the one rule you have to remember, if it's brown, you run aground. Well, I could use that for a number of places. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, everybody's got a boat, or they know yep. somebody with a boat. Exactly. Right? And they yeah. like to fish. Yes. You, are you a fisherman? I'm not so much a fisherman, but I do go out on my boat quite a bit. Diving, so snorkeling. Yeah, yeah, take the kids out swimming, that kind of thing. All right, but there are places that you like to hang out. Oh, yeah. That are not necessarily in the brochure. No. All right, so let's start. I'll, I'll tell you where I like to go, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're going to laugh at me. All right? No, I'm not going to laugh. I go to breakfast, only breakfast, at the Hungry Tarpon. All right, yeah, that's great. Right? Yeah. Then I go out back and, and watch people do stupid things. <laughs> They give you a pail full of bait, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you take this bucket, and you go out to the end of the dock, and you go, la, 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 and you stand there, and you get down on your knees, and you take this little fish out of your hand, and before you even have a chance to put it out of the water, this humongous tarpon comes flying out of the water yep. and tries to take your arm off. This is called recreation over there. Yep. Right? That's How crazy. many people have bloody arms? 
Uh, come on, <laughs> I'm come not, on. Um, my friends at the Tourist Development Council would not be happy if I uh, repeated those answers. But, but, we know, <laughs> but we know the answers. And, but people keep doing it all the time. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's an experience. You know, anywhere you go, you want to have an experience and, you know, take on something unique and but take back some memories. But the breakfast there is pretty cool. It's dynamite. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and come hungry because those are big portions. Yeah, I mean, we, and we have a lot of awesome restaurants up and down the Keys. I mean, that's one thing that we're blessed with. You know, right. and in Marathon, we have six chain restaurants. That's it. Wow. That's it. That's it. Wow. I hop, McDonald's, Burger King, Subway. You know, I mean, it's it's few. What, what's scaring me is that you're naming them all. Well, <laughs> I can name a, I can name fifty other great ones. Well, you know what? You will because when we come back, I want to know where you guys hang out. Hello, uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. Speaking with Jason Kohler, the editor and publisher of the Keys Weekly. Uh, now, I've I've actually been to this restaurant, which is the Castaway. Oh yeah, that's a pretty cool place. That place is awesome. But what's the cool about that is the owner. Yep. Tell me about him. His name is John Mirabella. Uh, very interesting local character. Experienced diver. Uh, he's a master diver. He's actually learned to dive in the Navy. And, and there's a reason why they have a lot of lionfish on the menu. Yeah, it's an invasive species due to the Keys. And he goes out and collects them all himself. He spears them. Spears them, yep. He's got all these different spots marked. He'll go out there. So there's lionfish sushi, lionfish yep. sashimi, lionfish uh, gumbo. Re- any way you want it. Wreck diver <laughs> style if you want it with what, uh, what, capers and well, lemon. What's wreck diver style? It's sauteed in a pan. It's got diced tomatoes on it, capers, lemon, and white wine. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's the best way to get it. Okay, so that's the Castaway. Yeah. Where else do you hang out? Uh, hang out at Castaway, Sparky's. Okay, Sparky's. That sounds like you're going to get in trouble. Sparky's Landing. You're going to get in trouble. Fish and cocktails. A lot more cocktails than fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they have an awesome fish Reuben there. It's dynamite. Really? Yeah, and great fish tacos, too. But if you're going to go to Sparky's and get the fish tacos, go with Blackened. That's the best way to get the fish tacos there. It's fresh mahi-mahi. It's all oh, dynamite. They got pickled, uh, pickled uh, cabbage on top of it. A key lime sauce. Mm. So all you do is eat. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm worried about you. Can't you tell? Yeah, you're a big guy. Well, yeah. I'm off vegetables, so. Oh, okay. So now, bottom line is, what keeps you here? Uh, probably, well, I mean, there's a, a bunch of different reasons, but just the fact that my kids are growing up in a safe place. You know, I grew up in, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, or Toledo, you know, Northwest Ohio. And this is just a, a much better place to raise kids, you know. The water's blue. doesn't get hard in the wintertime. It's awesome. It doesn't get hard in the wintertime. No, it's not going to do that. <laughs> no. Plus, now you're essentially the gateway to Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to be the gateway to Cuba. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, are they putting the ferry in? Well, it's going to be interesting to see whether that ferry goes in in Key West or whether or it's ta- going to go in a marathon. Because there was even a guy trying to do one out of Tampa. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but marathon's actually closer to Havana than Key West. Oh, because you kind of you kind of exactly. Out there, yeah. So I mean, I've I've flown over there a couple times. But they used to have a ferry from Key West to Cuba. Yeah, exactly. And I think my my buddy, uh, his dad drove the last ferry across, never went back. Wow. Got off that ferry boat and just stayed. It'll be interesting to see. You know, everybody thinks about it's going to happen very fast, but they forget there are so many remaining legal claims 
for appropriated property. You know, you, you haven't seen Hilton or Sheridan or Hyatt go down to Cuba and build anything yet because they still have claims against the Cuban government for all the stuff they took from them back in the, in the early 60s. Yeah, and the families, too, that had stuff taken from I mean, right. you go to and Miami, you don't no, want to bring and, that up. And you know what? Well, you have to bring it up. And, and the thing is, there's no clear way to adjudicate it now because there's title issues and everything else. So I think what's going to happen is these cases are going to get settled, but not the way you think. They'll get settled with the Cuban government saying, okay, that property is off the table because we can't ascertain title and it's, it's too messy, but we're going to give you this plot of land you know, as, in exchange, and now you can do that. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see people start to build on, on land they never owned, but they're going to be given it as a, as a part of the settlement. Well, I'd rather see them settle it that way than the way it was settled you know, 60 years ago with, oh, sure. with bullets. Exactly. And that may apply to the ferry terminal. Not here, but there. Mm-hmm. Right. So any talk about doing it here? Well, I mean, you know, both municipalities are definitely looking into it. You know, I mean, Marathon's got one of the biggest, most well-protected harbors on the eastern coast in Boot Key. Um, Key West's got a ferry terminal. You know, they have the ferry that goes back and forth from Tampa or uh, Fort Myers. So uh, I think Marathon's probably the most logical place to put it. And by the way, speaking of Marathon, this is the weekend of your what? Seafood Festival. 40th Annual. Original but who's, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> Just the fishermen. <laughs> and what's going to happen there? Uh, there's going to be about 20,000 people that pile into our Marathon Community Park, and they're going to enjoy lobster, fried fish, oysters, conch salad, shrimp, and about 160 kegs of beer. See, you, you, say, you, you buried the lead there. <laughs> but, but, but here's my question. I also see on the menu fried dolphin. Yeah. How do you do? Come on, flipper? Not flipper, the tuna kind. You know, the beautiful iridescent blue and yellow that you catch out okay. in blue water. Okay, don't Not the me. porpoise. Okay. No, not the squeaky kind. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got it. Mahi-mahi. Oh, no, don't say mahi-mahi. Oh, no, please, no. And that's all weekend? All weekend long, yeah. It starts Saturday morning at 11 a.m., and then it, uh, it wraps up Sunday at 5 p.m. Cool deal. The locals will probably be out there having a couple Pepsis tomorrow night. Yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you two words. Designated driver. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, our cabs are cheap in town. Five bucks. Anywhere in town you want to go. Is that true? Yeah, five bucks. It's a flat rate? Yeah. Oh, it pays not to drive. It pays not to drive. I mean, it'd be stupid to drive. Wow. I love that. I love that. All right. Yeah. Jason Cole. <laughs> I'm worried about you. Editor I'll be okay, Pete. I, I think you will. <laughs> Editor and publisher of the Keys Weekly from Toledo, Ohio, but he's not going back. No way. I'm not LeBron James. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. always like to ask the locals what's going on and my next guest is about as local as you can get if you go back as far as what 1989 uh 2001 for the keys 89 since south florida south florida so then you kind of migrated further south yes yes and his name is brad bertelli um 
a great historian here in the Florida Keys, and most people don't really know the history down here, do they? It is a fascinating history. People come down to the Florida Keys thinking it's a great place to come fishing, to come drinking, and have a good time. Well, but that part I got. Yeah. That part, yeah, it's very clearly advertised. But what's not so much advertised is the, the incredible amount of history that's down here. For example? For example, uh, we have Indian Key, probably the best-kept secret in the whole Florida Keys. Everyone talks about Key West. Um, once upon a time, Indian Key, which is a state park now, was once the second largest community outside of Key West and actually uh, competed with wrecking, in wrecking industry and as a community with Key West. This is the 1830s. Wow. And what's there now? Now it's a state park. It's what I like to call the uh, Florida Keys only ghost town. There are remnants um, of the old wrecking village that was out there. It's an 11-acre island. Um, once upon a time, the 18th, Nobody, nobody's living there. No, no, it's a, a state, state park. park. So yeah, so it's eight o'clock to five o'clock basically. And then the ghosts come out. And the, well, you can't go out there wait, at wait, night. But so. you had, then how do you know it's haunted? Well, because there was an Indian attack, and there's there are graves, and there's been people massacred out there. Wow, it's it, it's an amazing it's an amazing story. All right, so we've got the we got the Halloween part covered. Right? All right, all right, we got that part covered. But in terms of the history here, in terms of the of the of the trading, the the ships. The boats that used to come in here. Right. Right. That was a big port. Well, that was one. What made Indian Key um, successful and why it competed with Key West was that the waters here are very shallow. And Indian Key represented one of the natural deep water ports. So ships could actually come all the way to the island. What makes it even more important and why it was such an important part of the early history is that it had the... Uh, on nearby on, on Lower Matacumbi Key, and this goes back to the 1500s, the 1600s, 1700s, there was the um, most reliable and best freshwater source in the whole island chain. Because freshwater for a sailor back in, back in those hard, days was hard to come by. Hard to yeah, come by yeah, and yeah. very important. How many keys are there? Hundreds. It, hundreds and hundreds. 800, 900. It's hard, it's hard to, to figure out the exact number because at one point, there's a mangrove, bunch of mangroves that become, qualify a key, become right? an island. Yeah. Right. Right, and most of them, of course, not ha not in, not most inhabited. of them not inhabited. No. A lot of them, only a relative, you know, a small fraction have been linked by the overseas highway. Well, let's we're talking about the highway that's the, the, basically the two lane road here. It's yes, hopefully it will stay that way. And why do you say that? Um, it's the islands because there's a pro and a con to that. Yeah, I mean, you get one car breakdown and nobody's moving. One car breaking down, we're we're stuck for hours and. These are small islands. It can only hold so many people, and it's just—it's a great place to come. But you know, well, the, the best place, to, the, the the best way to, to limit population growth is just to have a bad car, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just have it break down and nobody can get here. That or, or just have someone break down. To, you know, every week at the, at the top of the stretch, they they can't make it make it down here. Yeah, but but in all seriousness, I understand why you don't want to expand that road because that would just make it even more congested and it's and it's dangerous i mean people are coming down here that they should be relaxing when they come to the florida keys and not being in a hurry the, the florida keys are not about being in a hurry it's not about being in my it's not about speed miami and new york and los angeles it's about taking a breath relaxing and enjoying the beautiful nature the incredible water the wildlife the the fishing so you went down to miami and then 12 years later you came down here i uh i came to south florida in 89 to chase my i'm a writer by trade and I wanted to come write, you know, come write the great American, the great Florida novel. And uh, I came in 89. I went to Sanibel and Captiva on, on the west coast of Florida. And things didn't go as quickly as I wanted to. So I ended up going to the University of Miami and get my, my MFA in creative writing with the intent of going back down, uh, back to Sanibel. But, you know, weekends, spring breaks. You were partying. I started coming down partying. to the Florida Keys. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I graduated, 
I came right back down, and I've never lived more than a mile from where I first landed. But you're writing. I am fortunate that I'm able to make my living doing what I love the best. And um, So you wrote a book on... You, you wrote a book called Snorkeling the Florida Keys. I've done four books. Um, the first book was called Snorkeling Florida, which was a general guide to Florida. And while I was writing that book, what really uh, struck me was that every dive captain had a different story about how this reef got its name, how that reef got its name. So I started doing my own research. There you go. Keep that going. This is flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David, and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcoholic beverages will be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that'll be $3. And you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. You got to pay with plastic. When we last uh, broke off, Brad, you were talking about um, the keys and also all the stuff that's down there. The reef, you, you can't come to the Florida Keys and not experience the third largest tropical coral reef system in, in, in the world. And you don't have to be a diver. Like you, you can be a snorkeler. You, this, this is a fantastic place to snorkel. Both Two of my books are about snorkeling, and there are, there's tons to look at in 20, you know, 20, 30 feet of water. You don't have to put on all the gear and get down there and investigate. What was the most surprising thing you saw that you've ever seen down there? The coolest thing I ever saw was actually off of Bahia Honda in like two feet of water. I was snorkeling around. Well, in two feet of water, you can hurt yourself. <laughs> you can hurt yourself. But there was a queen conch, you know, the, the symbol of the Florida Keys. And there, there was a horse conch, which is the state the state's uh, shell of, of, the, of Florida. And, the, and the, the, uh, the, the, the horse conch was about the size of a football. The queen conch was about the size of a softball. And as I approached it, a, a, a horse conch, is, his foot, his mouth is orange. And it had totally engulfed the queen conch shell. So all you could, as it was feeding, it had extended his foot out around the conch shell, and all I could see from the queen conch were some little spikes sticking up. And it was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. It was just so cool. And today they're married and they have six kids. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> in that in that Black Widow sense, where or, yes. or, or the Prey Man sense. But you got to watch that, you know, Mr. Darwin, as they would say. You saw the origin yeah, of the survival, the survival of the fittest out there. It's, it's a conch eat conch world. It's a- <laughs> You've used that line before. I have once or twice. I figured you might. What's the biggest surprise for people who come down here for the first time? I mean, it's not that they don't know the history, but when they find something out, right? It's it, You know they don't know the history. They're coming down to party. Absolutely. Right? So when do they discover the history? How do you actually show them that? I am a historian of all trades at this point. I am very fortunate that I can, I'm able to do what I love. And, and make a living doing it. I'm also the curator at the Keys History and Discovery Center, lo- it's a museum located up in Alamrada at mile marker 82. So what's in the collection? Um, we're new, we're growing. We have, uh, we have exhibits on the first people of the Florida Keys. Um, here's, we have on, 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 on the 1733 Treasure Fleet, on, the, on, on Indian Key, on the fishing legends. Here's something that people would not understand about the Florida Keys is that I know when Ponce de Leon came in 1513, he Searching called, for the Fountain of Youth. Fountain of Youth, absolutely. He named these islands Los Martyrs, the Martyrs, because he thought the islands looked tortured. But that wasn't the original name for the islands. That was the original European name. The indigenous people who've been here for, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 years, they referred to this island chain as the, as the Matacumbi Islands. Because? Because, um, well, 
largely uh, these small groups of Indians the, um, and, and uh, the, the three major tribes that are in the area with, with the Calusa, the Tequesta, and the Matacumbi. The Calusa was a governing force, the, the largest force most of the time. And normally, the, like the Matacumbi were a, a tribe, and normally the, the, the tribe took the name, and, and the, the, the cake uh, or, or the, the chief of the group would take on the name of, of the group and, and of the place. So they were, they were the Matacumbi people. They lived on the Matacumbi Islands. Okay. So then... What have you got there? You got all that exhibits of the original folks who lived here. We have some great artifacts, some great stories, some great firsthand accounts uh, written by. Uh, uh, there was a shipwreck survivor in fifteen um, in the fifteen fifties, fifteen sixties. You know, it's everything. A shipwreck survivor is your perfect guy to write a book because he's got nothing else to do. Well, he spent seventeen years living with the Calusa Indians. That's what I said. Yeah. He's a shipwreck survivor. What are you going to do? Write a book? See, that's what you got to do. You got to get shipwrecked with a pen and a piece of paper. You're in. Oh, yeah. Or you know, a little, a little, a little tablet, you know. <laughs> Latter day ship. Later, yeah, exactly. You know, that's but it's it's important to hear what the people, these first hand accounts who are you know who are not who are not hearing it second hand because sailors get out there on that boat and they have some grog and they tell stories and that kernel of truth becomes a bowl of popcorn. You know, oh, it, yeah. the stories grow and become grander and bigger. But the thing I think is fascinating. Most Americans don't realize because they've been propagandized in, in, in the uh, in the movies to realize what a significant Indian population there was in Florida. I mean, they they think it was just the wild wild west. Absolutely, yeah. And some of the best evidence. I mean, just, just to give you an, an idea of of the size of there's about 150 prehistoric sites in the Florida Keys. A lot of them have, have been have been covered up due to you know construction and, and progress. Um, but there's there's one significant Indian mound. Which was kind of a refuse pile for for where Indians put their their broken tools, their broken uh, pottery shards, all their, their conch shells and, and, and fish and things. There's an Indian mound in the Upper Keys the size of a football field, which is a pretty significant. Are they still excavating? There is some. There is work going on right now by Dr. Tracy Ardrin from the, from the University of Miami, who is also helping us with uh, with my work at the uh, at the Discovery Center. And there's also uh, Bob Carr, who's doing some work down here in the Florida Keys. He is most famously working on the Miami Circle up in, up in a, a large Tecesta site. So the bottom line is you're finding stuff new every day. There, every, you know, the more, I learn, the more I learn about the Florida Keys, the history here, the less I know. It's always, it's amazing how much there is. And it's like, it's, it, it amazes me because I think I'm pretty, I, I, my full-time job is studying this stuff. And that's, and I, it, I've been blessed for the last couple of years to, just be able to do so that. So you know what? You're an SNS guy. You know what that stands for? I'm about to find out. Study and snorkel. Check through 171, contact departure. Contact departure, right? I'll make go 403. Adios. AMAX 403, contact departure. Adios. Over to departure, gentlemen. 171. Awesome job. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. For those of you who know, I, I live on a boat. So for me, if I can't be on the water, I take hostages. Okay, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my full disclosure here. So my next guest, of course, I can't wait to talk to him because he's on the water every day. 
He runs the saltwater experience uh, here at, at Hawks Cay. His name is Rich Tudor. Captain, hello. Hey, how are you? All right. I got you off the boat long enough to come in and talk to me, right? <laughs> yeah, we were we were out fishing this morning and uh, had to had to rush in. I set my alarm and <laughs> and uh, we were actually fighting a giant sea monster as uh, right before I had my alarm went off. So I had to we had to make it quick. Okay, and, hold on. And what was the sea monster you were fighting? Well, it was uh, yet to be determined, but I'm pretty sure I know what it was. I well, think was it a tarpon? Um, no, no. What was it? No. Well, it was a. Uh, you got to keep guessing here. It was a. Uh, it was big, really big, really big. How, how big? Like fourteen feet big. Shark. Kinda. Sawfish. A sawfish. A giant sawfish, like prehistoric big. It was uh, like um, fishing back in the Everglades. There's a few spots where they, there are these big critters. We were catching some sharks. We were catching some hundred pound lemon sharks. Okay, and, then when uh, you catch a shark, it goes back. Yeah, we let them all go. You let them all go. Every it's catch and release all yep. the way. Now, you have to understand, I'm an East Coast guy. I, I spent my fishing years on Long Island. If I'm going to fish for the fish, it's dinner. That, that, it's, I, I'm, not a ca- I'm so happy I caught it, i got to eat it. Right? Now, that doesn't mean I'm being insensitive, but obviously I'm not fishing for, 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 uh, for species that are endangered. Right. Right? A sawfish, I'm assuming, is... They are. They're an endangered species. We were not targeting them. It was a, a real surprise. Only the second time I've ever hooked um, one. We were catching the sharks, and we actually caught a big goliath grouper about a... 400 pound goliath grouper um and uh and then and then at the end about an hour before we were supposed to supposed to head back we hooked into this giant fish wait, wait i want to go back to the grouper <laughs> that one you keep right uh we actually let those go goliath grouper is another catch and release see i didn't species. know that see, yeah. i'm glad you're, you're doing this because i wouldn't know. that's the thing about the keys here we have so many different species literally when we leave from from hawks Bay here i can go east south northwest every direction we go we have so many different species and um, for the eating fish, we typically go out to the ocean there, the reefs and, and the offshore. And we'll you're catch, catching what? Um, we'll catch black grouper, red grouper. Those are the eating grouper yeah. that we eat mostly. Um, yellowtail snapper, delicious. Mahi-mahi, right. uh, tuna. Um, there's so many good eating fish. And then, and then we Those all, you keep? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, yep. I'm feeling better already. Yep. Right. Catch them. Uh, that's a big popular thing here is our, what we call our hook and cook. You know, the guests will come in here and, and go out fishing with the captain and then bring them back to the restaurant and, and uh, cook them up. Okay, so i got to ask the obvious question. When a guest goes out fishing, what's the biggest one a guest ever caught? <laughs> well. And don't lie to me. Today was pretty close, that, uh, <laughs> that sawfish. No, but I'm talking enormous. about hook and cook. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, swordfish would probably be the biggest things that we actually ever um, bring home. Uh, and we go out, uh, leave here, run about 30 miles offshore. You go to the canyons? Yes. There's yeah. some underwater um, canyons out there. And uh, and that's been that's a great fishery. We actually have a, a daytime fishery nowadays where we go out and we drop uh, bait down two thousand feet deep, and um, they're that deep and catch catch them in the day, and it's pretty spectacular. And how long does it take you to bring them up? Well, it depends on how big the fish is. Thirty to forty minutes. Yeah, at, at least, and then some, and then some. Yeah. Are you got, are, am I strapped into the chair? Uh, well, we do most of our fishing, real, you know, kind of light as we can, standing up. Really? Um, yeah. We the fishing down here. What um, pound test? Well. Uh, it depends. So in that situation, swordfish usually about 80, 80 pound braided line. That is a big fishing line. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you're doing that standing up? Yeah. Anybody yeah. ever get pulled yeah. off the boat? Um, it's happened. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> not very often. We're very, very careful. And, um, but yeah, when, anytime you're catching these, you know, these big fish, um, you know, it is an adventure. It's, it's, it's not scripted. You don't know what's going to happen. Today was a great example. We literally had a, had a, uh, a guy and his three kids, um, a 12 year old, um, two 15 year olds, and they had a blast and, um, you know, never fished before. And they caught these incredible fish. 
Um, None just, that they kept. No, no, we did. We did keep a couple of trout. We caught saltwater. Um, so they're eating trout. that tonight. Yep. There we go. Yep. yep. And okay. that'll be good. And and that's one of the things that we. And do you know what here. they say about it? Tastes just like sawfish. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I had to say it. That's good. Uh, yo, you like that one, didn't you? Yeah, that's yeah. good. That you can good. use that. I'll that give it good. to you. All right. Rich Tudor, the guy who runs the the hawk the Hawks K seafaring experience, the fishing experience, right? It's the saltwater. Yep. And keep me away from the tarpon. Okay, I hate tarpon. <laughs> I absolutely despise them. Really. Yes. You know why? They always grab my line and wrap it around a pole. It's done. Right? And it's done. I mean, and plus you can't eat them. Plus they, you know, you, you can't keep them. You can't do anything with them except watch them piss off somebody else. <laughs> That's cool. Well, we, we we love it, man. We've got so many different things to fish for down here. Uh, if you got enough time, I'll take you out. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? My next guest, she's the director of experience, whatever that means, at, at Hawks K, Megan Libby. How are you, Megan? Great. How are you? Okay, so what does that mean? Oh, well, it basically means I direct all the fun. I get the best job. You direct the fun. I direct the fun. You create the fun. I create the fun. I make, I make fun. Now, the last time I was here, and we actually did our radio show from here about five or six years ago, you know, got in the water with the dolphins. It was great. I mean, you know, it's a great experience. That's fantastic. And there's no age requirement? For the dolphins, there uh, well, there's different different types of programs. Right. Uh, so there's but young there's kids, but young kids can get out there. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So give me an idea of a typical day here for you. Oh my goodness. Well, there's there's not really a typical day. I'd probably say, but uh, I actually I, I came on board um, to kind of enhance the whole experience here. Uh, we just finished with a multi-million dollar renovation of the whole uh, Coral K property, which is our uh, activities and adventure center. We have a brand new pirate ship and a teen lounge. And I actually, um, I came on to- Wait, wait, wait let's, of... let's, stop with the, let's start with the pirate ship. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, right? I mean, come on. I mean, do the kids <laughs> walk the plank? Oh, you can. Oh, you can walk the plank. Well, there's there's like little squirt guns and water slides, and we use it with Camp Hawk, our our new um, educational environmental ed program. Uh, we okay, so let me ask you about thing. that. Everybody says they've got an environmental program. Yeah. But then it gets down to the comprehensive nature of it, right? Mm -hmm. Do they show them a photograph of a turtle taking for, taken 40 years ago, or do they actually get hands-on experience? <laughs> well, the great thing about being here on Duck Key is that the kids can be out in nature touching, feeling, seeing what actually exists. Okay, so. imagine me as a slightly larger-than-life kid. <laughs> okay. um, uh, what would I do today? Well, you would go on Dolphin Adventure Day. We actually partner with Dolphin Connection, and uh, the kids actually go and um, learn about the dolphins from the dolphin trainers, get on the dock and see the dolphins, um, and get to know all about the different uh, types of sea turtles that we have here, and it's fantastic. Now, is it interactive? Mm -hmm, very interactive. Uh, all of our, we have different programs for each day. Um, so we'll have like a creepy crawly critters day where they go out. I and had that at a Holiday Inn once, but that was different. <laughs> I'm sorry. These are all outside, yeah. outside okay. creepy crawlies, like iguanas, and they get to go on nature walks. And but no Komodo dragons. Oh, no. Uh, no. We're no. dragon free. I, I thought so, yeah. <laughs> Alligators? 
Alligators. Yes. Uh, well, if we're alligators are pretty rare. Okay. Around on property here, I'm not yeah. going to lie to you, but we get to see all sorts of other fun things. We have uh, birds of a feather. We go and see all the different types of birds that we have on property. Um, Do the parents get involved in this? They can become involved. We have uh, lots of programs for families, a lot of nature-based programs, and a lot of like fun um, programs for all ages. Okay. Now, here comes an item that I hear complaints about all the time. Sure. The tweens. They're always ignored. Right? Oh. You know, the kids between, let's say, 12 and 16, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do. Well, that's that's a really tough age, but uh, we've actually put a lot of emphasis on our, our tween age between uh, 13 to 17. Actually, we have a whole teen program and a teen lounge, which was part of this renovation project. And what do they get to do? Well, they have special programs just for teens. So we'll have special teen night outs. We have kickball tournaments, um, glow parties, all sorts of great stuff. Glow parties. Oh, yes, with glow sticks. Oh, my God. That's for the adults. What are you talking about? (laughs) Glow party. Come on. It's fun. What's the one thing you tried um, in a program setting that you thought was going to work that didn't? Oh, my. Oh, that didn't. That's a really tough one. The Pet the Alligator program where that didn't work out too well? (laughs) Yeah, maybe, you know, Pet the Iguana program probably didn't work out so well. Catch the Iguana program. (laughs) Catch the Iguana. No, but seriously, is there one that you tried that didn't work or one you think, who's going to want this and, like, people loved it oh you know actually i do have one of those i did not think it would be because it's something personally that i just thought would be fun and so i just threw it out there and i didn't think it would be as popular as it was it's actually uh the beer olympics that we tried for adults because we have a whole new adult themed programs the adult beer olympics oh yes sir absolutely (laughs) and how do you come in first in that well, I'm not really quite sure, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's it's all for fun. Well, there's different rounds and different, uh, like, trivias and flip cup and blindfolded beverage chasing, and it's it's a whole... Blindfolded beverage chasing. That's right. Could you explain that? Well, um, it's in the name, really. It's you, you get blindfolded, and you yeah. have a team member. It's a partner activity, so teamwork, and they... Um... Well, drinking usually requires teamwork. Well, and... you know. Go ahead. <laughs> So you're blindfolded with a partner and... With a a partner. So one partner's not. One person is blindfolded and they're on the ground like crawling and the um, the beverage is placed somewhere on the lawn and the person behind has to direct them to the beverage. And then when they get there, of course, they have to drink it. Well, if they are so lucky. Ah. (laughs) Is there cheating involved? (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, we have to have referees. (laughs) (laughs) Referees. Absolutely. And their prizes. Oh, there are definitely prizes. See, my feeling is after about 40 minutes of this, they're going to be chasing iguanas anyway. <laughs> no, that's why we have the referees. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Libby, the director of experience at Hawks Game. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.